Hello, happy International Women's Day to all of you who listen to us and watch us. And from the two of us men here, we have to say we are because you are, dear ladies of the world. And thank you for continuing to put up with us men and suffering us and yet inspiring us to higher glory with your wisdom and sensitivity. And now with that attempt to score brownie points with the ladies, let me introduce my co-host and all-round good man, the CEO of Fever Network and Radio 1, Ramesh Menon. Hi, Rishi. Uh, one thing for sure, uh, even if no one listens to us, uh, the ladies in our life, uh, mother, wives, and I'm suddenly your daughters uh, will definitely be listening to it. Happy International Day to all of them and everybody else around the world. Yes, indeed. Well, it's only appropriate, Ramesh, that on Women's Day, we have a path-breaking lady who comes in and helps us understand how she went into hashtag break the bias, which is the theme for this International Women's Day. Please welcome Hardika Shah. She's the founder of and CEO of Kinara Capital, a fast-growing, sorry, I should say, very fast-growing uh, fintech company uh, based in Bangalore, driving financial inclusion in small businesses for small businesses, SMEs. Uh, hi, Hardika. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes. Happy International Women's Day. It's your day, you wonderful ladies. Hardika, let's talk about your beginnings. I believe you left home at 16 to go to the US and you made quite a career for yourself in the Silicon Valley. Uh, 17, but close enough. Uh, yes, indeed. I was a, I actually come from a very middle class background. So it was an unusual thing that happened that I had an opportunity to go to the US to do my undergrad and that to a liberal arts college which really has been the foundation of a uh, lot of my life now um, around the work and, and everything about social causes and justice and just generally working towards all of us collectively working towards a better tomorrow. So in terms of uh, how, you know, after I went through my undergrad, I had an opportunity to work at a consulting company, which I took on right away because who doesn't want to travel the world at age 2021, right? And that's exactly what I did. I spent nearly almost 20 years in management consulting, living across multiple continents, and uh, and then working in Silicon Valley for over a decade. And uh, and that led me to start Kinara at some point along the way. Fabulous. Uh, and, and, you know, one thing that intrigued me was that you did mentoring programs for social entrepreneurs in the U.S. at that time. And also an added question, are there today sustainable models that prioritize both the community and, uh, say, profitability? Is that the way, you know? Yeah, you know, when I started uh, mentoring social entrepreneurs, to be honest, social entrepreneurship as a word was just coming into the urban dictionary back in the early 2000s. And and that was the, the break, you know, the, the, the new wave of thinking about a uh, market-led model that could address community challenges, social challenges, but do it in a long-term sustainable fashion. And if you look at what has happened in India during that time, microfinance was, you know, was essentially heralded for being a top sustainable model. And today, 
Many of those microfinance institutions that grew, grew really large have become small finance banks. So we can see financial inclusion is most definitely a classic example of a sustainable model that can bring about community change as well as be able to do it at, uh, at scale and profitably. And that is where Kinara fits in too. So at Kinara Capital, we are promoting, supporting micro enterprises. And we have also been profitable for over seven years. That's wonderful. Now, before we get into Eureka moments and how you change things around, I always believe you need to set the tone, set the precedent. Before Kinara Capital came in, what were the challenges Hardika faced by women entrepreneurs in India at any level, especially micro and small entrepreneur? And how did you then go about addressing those gaps and challenges? So so let's just do some level setting, right? I mean, there are 60, 63 million micro and, and small enterprises in India. And 90% of them are maybe less than two crores of turnover. So we're really talking about micro, micro. Now, we would love for more women entrepreneurs to be in this mix, but only 20% of women entrepreneurs. So we have a two-part challenge here. We have micro enterprises that have their own unique challenges, which is lack of formalization, lack of documentation, and lack of access to credit. When you take that down to the next level for women entrepreneurs in that group, it gets even even more uh, dire. There is bias. We talk about bankers needing spouses and collateral and 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 doubting the women's uh, commitment to do the work. Um, collateral is in itself a huge gap, right? If you look at uh, only 14% of landowners that own agri-land, right, uh, are women. But 42% of the agri-labor force is women. When we come to urban areas, married men who claim or have their own houses is up in the 60-70% range, but only 22% of women have their own houses. So you end up in this strange uh, lack of access scenario where there's bias, there is no collateral, and then there's lack of access to people, to networks, to knowledge. So when you start putting it all together, it is that much more difficult for women entrepreneurs to start a business, to then build it to a level of formalization and grow it to, you know, to become reasonable as compared to a male entrepreneur who might have better options and opportunities. And as we know, for MSMEs, those are tight and tough anyway. So now we're just, you know, doubling down on, on challenges that women have to overcome. Uh, just to go back to just to go to the MSME sector itself, uh, it's been a very tough uh, four five years, and particularly the last two years for the MSME sector. And there's a growing credit gap there, and and you know uh, a lot of them have collapsed. What's uh, Kinara Capital done during this period, and how has it sort of uh, you know used that opportunity to uh, make sure that uh, the the sector comes back? Yeah, look, first of all, let, let's just quickly talk about what Kinara Capital does do. Right, we provide fast, flexible, unsecured business loans to micro enterprises in the range of one to 30 lakhs for manufacturing trading services. We are present today in over 100 cities in in South and West India, and we have dispersed over 75,000 loans. So with that context, when you looked at, you know, it's not just what has happened the last couple of years. We start a little further back with the macro shocks from DMON, GST, ILFS, and now COVID. Uh, the micro enterprise sector has definitely 
taken a brunt of of the macro shocks and definitely covid was probably the the noticeable worse and so for us when you know the first thing when covid happened is safety safety of our employees safety of our 1200 employees was prime we first took care of that we ensured that we stayed in touch with our customers um, by phone by whatsapp in any any way we could without Uh, breaching lockdown regulations and we ensured that we were in um aware of what the need of the customer was as the lockdown was eased up and the first thing they all needed was small quick short term capital to start or restart their business machines had to be serviced again uh, stock had to be repurchased business had to come back and the focus when we got out of lockdown and was to essentially provide loans to get them back to business the other thing when the moratorium happened there was a lot of confusion whether nbfcs could get moratorium from banks or not but regardless of that we extended moratorium to all of our customers and 70% took it in that first wave so it was very important for us to focus on ensuring that this customer is supported in every way we could through that process and that has really served as well so that was because our customers have forever connected and thankful for our ability to have done that on our internal side it gave us an opportunity to you know to accelerate our lending program so i mean digital lending program we had been working on a a, a you know a, a sort of a transformation of our own processes and technology and we had time on our hands so we just did that in over 3 months we completely revamped our tech so we used to be doing disbursing loans in you know 5 to 7 days before covid we do that now in 24 to 48 hours and that's been a significant value add to a customer who is uh, looking for credit and knows that there's money in the bank in 48 hours super stuff marvelous i believe you grew up with a blind father who's quite heroic himself uh, is that what drove you to be sensitive to people with special needs and marginalized communities because i know that uh, your heart beats uh, for those communities and you do you're very active in those sectors well look it certainly helped right to see firsthand the bias the world has in general whether it is for a micro entrepreneur or whether it is for women or whether it is for somebody who doesn't have sight and um, and certainly you know for me growing up he was just my dad we played cards and dominoes and chess and we traveled and we talked about politics or social issues he's just my dad so to think that the world saw him differently as you grow older you start thinking why is that why should it be that and it makes you more aware and therefore perhaps opens you up for um, for uh, you know for for batting for everyone <laughs> that's 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 inspiring and and uh, now talk about the functionality of your new app uh, the mic kinara app and how has it changed the game for you yeah i mean look one of the things that i would say it's first of all i think the mic kinara app is possible because india itself is democratizing information right we are changing how we do identity privacy data payments in some ways india is at the forefront of fintech now globally and so in this last few years we have seen a tremendous shift in our customer behavior we have you know bharat and india are one again and and so 95% of all of our customers have smartphones banking has become easier a payment has become easier customers find it easier to transact 
uh, online, something they were not ready for. And certainly, if, you know, one thing we can look at the silver lining of COVID, it has most definitely propelled us all to digital tools. So what that has done is it enabled us to create an app for our customers and have that adoption from them, That and especially because it is in vernacular, which makes them comfortable, that it is possible for them to apply for loans online. It is possible for them to get some of the basic services um, through their lender like us and do it digitally. And, and I think it is changing how we interact with our customers, how we engage with them. We have a Grow with Kinara series, you know, that they come online and, and participate with uh, us on to learn about the environment, to learn about the industry. And all of these things are helping them hopefully become better business in their own way. Ardhika, you talked about uh, collateral-free loans. Last month, you launched a collateral-free short-term working capital loan option for your current MSME customers. I'm very keen to know how the response to that has been. You know, response has been really great. We have just come out of Omicron now. Um, Everyone's looking to this economic revival that we are all seeing hopefully happening, but seeing that it's slowly happening. And we are finding that existing customers are comfortable taking a short-term loan because they have a surge in demand that is coming in, ready for, say, school season, and they need to know that everybody's going back to school or travel has begun. or And so there's short-term need that they have, and we are seeing them really uh, finding this product fit very well with their goals of a business. So also in December, uh, I think you appointed Ravindra Jadeja as your official brand ambassador, you know, to amplify, of course, your growing presence and, you know, cricket, of course, is religion for all of us. And your reasons for picking uh, Jadeja and how has that worked for you? Look, we really like what he represents, right? Uh, Mr. Jadeja, he himself comes from humble backgrounds, like many of our customers. He has dedicated himself to being the best. And he's an all-rounder, like many of our customers have to be when they're running small businesses. So for us, he epitomizes this pursuit of aspiration. And we believe fans from Chennai Super Kings to the back streets of Jamnagar will connect with him in a way that is unique. That's wonderful. Very well. Very aptly put. So I'm definitely going to impose myself on you at budget time every year. <laughs> that's how that's how we broadcast journalists are. Uh, I, I wish I, I knew of you just before this UDN budget. But anyway, uh, jokes well, aside. Another one coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the union budget 22-23 had represented a comprehensive package of policy announcements aimed at supporting the recovery of MSMEs. How has that impacted the sector is my question to you. Uh, if you'd handled us through the announcements and measures, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, well, look, three, three specific measures come to mind that I think are going to be valuable right firstly was the extension of this emergency credit line eclgs scheme which is essentially the ability for us to give credit to our existing customers and have it 100 backed by the government of india and that basically allows us to take the kind of risk where which we would normally not take and i say we generally i'm talking about all uh, financial institutions here that you know that can that can take uh, take cover under this program and this guaranteed cover i mean they've in, they've increased this 
cover to an extra 50,000 crore. So it's significant and it's extended all the way to March 2023. And I think it's a recognition that it's going to take a little while. It's not that Omicron is switched off and now everything is back to normal. We need a path to recovery and we need to support the businesses to uh, get them there. And this is a great way for the government of India to participate in that recovery. right? And so that's that was one for MSMEs that I think is very valuable. The other one was where the government has said that, look, we are the biggest buyer of MSME products and we are going to increase our allocation to MSMEs by 25, 26%, right? It was, I think it was 15,000 crores. Now it's 20, 21,000 crores. So that gives MSMEs an opportunity to have the biggest buyer, biggest payer uh, be their buyer in terms of their products. And there is a whole platform, there's the GEMS platform, et cetera, that enables some of this. So I do think that the government is stepping up and saying, look, if there isn't enough market demand, we will make sure we will still be here to buy the products and therefore MSMEs have an avenue to increase their their own growth. And the last thing I think is very important because the last few years, as you said rightly, have been tight and tough and difficult. And that's all around development, skill development, right? So skill development is always something that we prioritize lower because we have other challenges to worry about. And the government has allocated an additional 20% for entrepreneurship and skill development schemes, which an MSME can utilize for his or her own development for the you know development and learning of, of their employees. And hopefully it'll help them get to the next level. So I think these are three things in the union budget that I felt are really well geared towards the MSME sector and, um, and hopefully will generate the results over the next year in the, in the same manner that we, we want it to. Absolutely critical for the economy that the MSME sector recovers uh, and, and so so also for the radio business because, you know, it was largely retail-driven business uh, and now we're struggling as well uh, with the MSME not coming back as fast as we would like it. Uh, this Women's Day, uh, also talk to us about uh, your Hervicast loans and how it's empowering women. Also, uh, the theme for this International Women's Day is uh, hashtag break the bias. We'd like to know how you're doing this at Kinara Capital. Okay. Um, well, so specifically for women entrepreneurs, uh, we have created the Harvikas program to promote women entrepreneurship. This is a combination of a discounted interest rate uh, and then support with business education, planning, networking services to help women entrepreneurs not only grow their business, but also to dream big. So under this program, we have funded a, a five, 6,000 women already. So we have dispersed maybe around 400 crores, which frankly is about 15, 16% of our portfolio. So we are very, very focused on this program. We truly believe that this is a core uh, differentiator for how we engage with uh, with our customers. And we hope more women do come and um, and seek this program you know, with us. Now, in terms of you know, in terms of how we have broken the bias, look, we have done it at many levels, right? But let me just uh, it just start with even Fortune 500 companies. When you look at how many Fortune 500 companies are um, are women led, or even have women in their C suite, it is you can you can count it on maybe one hand or two hands, right? And here we are at Kinara Capital. We have built an organization of 1,200, 1,300 employees where 50% of my management team is women. And and we also have, you know, 15% women across the organization, not only women, 
we have differently abled employees we have transgender employees so inclusion is a broader you know a broader idea not just uh, not just women and for me that breaking the bias starts with you know walking the talk and by doing this and building a women uh, manage 50% which is a ratio men to women managed organization and leading it successfully and profitably for several years is one way to break the bias Yes, excellent. Listen, you talked about the challenges, so I don't want to get into the challenges. I'm more keen on knowing about the motivational aspect, and uh, you know how you kept your employees and stakeholders all geared. So, uh, you're right. I mean, MSME lenders faced demon. Then there was the ILFS-driven uh, liquid liquidity crisis. More recently, COVID. But you've really stayed true to your vision of democratizing credit. Uh, so the question is, how do you manage to do that? How do you keep motivating yourself? your employees and your stakeholders yeah look i think that you know some days are tough i have to admit and and in those days uh it comes down to remembering that one interaction with a customer and the gratitude that they feel that uh, towards the towards the support we have provided and and how it has transformed them or their families or their lives we have one customer who talks about how he was able to afford or even think that his do- daughter could be a doctor because of our ability to support him over multiple loans over multiple years so when things get tough that those are the the go tos for me and and on the flip side when you talk about employees or stakeholders the best way that i feel that and and it's also my style is to be honest and open and and share what is exactly going on so we've always been open about sharing our financials with the entire organization and we do that you know when every year and we did that when covid happened we were honest about uh, not necessarily just being there for each other and our customers but figuring out ways to give each other the time off in the process when somebody needed to just step away and and deal with it right and so having those provisions having that outlet having that you know that uh, that ability to to just be personal and real and authentic with both shareholders as well as employees and sometimes even to, with yourself has been an important thing that helped us get through those uh, those last few years fabulous and that's a big challenge that all of us have had uh a lot of our listeners uh, podcast listeners especially are from across the country tier 1 tier 2 tier 3 uh, towns tell us about kinara capital's geographical presence where are you present and where are you dominant in and and what are your expansion plans across the country yeah so today we are present in six states um uh, which is tamil nadu andhra pradesh telangana karnataka maharashtra and gujarat and across these states we are present in over 3000 pin codes so there will be someone who can reach you in one of those 3000 pin codes that we operate in and in some of the other fashion digitally or even physically um our expansion plans this year we will continue to go deeper in the geographies we are present in and next year we'll look to expand to other states Hey many congratulations uh, Hardika you were recognized as one of Forbes most powerful women in business in uh, 2021 uh what does that mean to you at a at a personal level as well as a professional level Okay it was an unexpected honor to be honest it came in a year where we were all so focused on on all the things that were happening globally that were not so pleasant so i have to say i am 
truly humbled to be named alongside such remarkable women from different backgrounds and industries. And um, it really, it, to me, it just meant validation for the work that Kinara has been trying to do for over a decade. And we do this every day and we are impacting these underserved entrepreneurs and creating jobs and helping, you know, change economies. So the recognition it felt is a recognition of the MSMEs that we support and, and acknowledge and is a recognition for having done this with the women-led team. So I, I like I said, I have been, I feel honored. Uh, congratulations, uh, Hardika. Anyway, uh, going beyond that, uh, you know, financial services, BFSI is one area that uh, where the glass ceiling has been broken in the past. There have been leading CEOs of leading companies uh, have been women. Do you think the glass ceiling still exists in the financial world? And what about the fintech world? Tech is, you know, has not always been uh, women friendly. But, you know, how you manage that, uh, the cusp of being in both? Yeah, I mean, look, the glass ceiling does exist. And, and I'm glad to see that we have, you know, breakout stars and and breakthroughs uh, in, in fintech as well as in financial services generally and, and, and other industries as well. But it's just not enough, right? Um, only 3% of investments globally go to women. So there is something that is just not right about that. And so even when we are you know, we were looking at, uh, at hiring or promoting, in, you know, internally. There's often this unsaid conversation that we have to clip quickly and, and be, you know, be able to really make people realize that merit and meritocracy is important. So if I'm thinking in an organization that is women-led and where we are trying very hard to break the bias, what would be happening in other corridors or, or boardrooms that are not so uh, women-led or don't have sufficient representation? So I do truly believe that that there is a there is a bias that is still out there, and there is a glass ceiling that needs a that needs a few more cracks. <laughs> so teach us men, because we certainly struggle with this one. How do you maintain a work-life balance, Hardika? Ah, well. <laughs> Look, men and women are both learning or trying to learn how to do work-life balance, right? I can only tell you what works for me. And I am a quintessential planner. Plan, prioritize, plan, prioritize. So for me, I need to chalk everything out. I block time in the morning to feed the you know community dogs. I, I block time for myself so I have thinking time to do my work early the day before all the meetings start. And I make sure that, you know, we have dinner together as a family. And so uh, it is what I do to find some semblance of balance during the day. But at the end of the day, you, we all prioritize. Some days family takes priority because that's what is important. And other days work takes priority because that's what is needed. So... You know, I think we all have to learn from each other still on this one. That's one thing that we're all learning. Uh, so just before we get into the lifestyle section, work from home or work from office? Oh, work from office for me. I need a whiteboard. <laughs> so let's get into the lifestyle section, Hardika. I would like to know who is the business leader that you really admire and, and what are the qualities in him or her that really stand out from you and you get inspired by? Well, you know, Warren Buffett... A very grounded individual. He represents consistency in his actions. Just a tremendous philanthropist. He's encouraged so many others um, to, you know, figure out this way of, you know, making money but giving back. And um, and he's a Columbia Business School alum. So, all all things. <laughs> 
That's nice. Uh, let's talk about music. What kind of music do you listen to? What's on your playlist on an average day? And as a corollary to that question, any memories of a music concert that you went to recently or before the pandemic that you really enjoyed? Um, well, I'm I'm going to embarrass myself and admit that my playlist is not very long, um, and I'm very partial to '80s rock. Oh, amazing! <laughs> I, I own all of Rod Stewart's collection, so Matilda is one of my favorites. Um, but, um, but yes, so in terms of concerts, maybe you know the one the one concert. It's been a while. And I know that Elton John is on his final tour this year, but the concert that I attended with Elton John and Billy Joel at uh, the Sydney Cricket Stadium many years ago was wow. tremendously memorable. I mean, imagine 50,000 people singing to the piano man all in unison. It was uh, something special. Like they say, the piano it sounds like a carnival and the microphone smells like a beer. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. <laughs> totally. A book that has made or left an impact on you. You know, for me, I mean, I think, and when I come back to thinking about how uh, some of that is emulated in, in Kinara, for me, it was a book by Steve Blank, and it's Four Steps to an Epiphany. And um, both the book and an author left an impact. Steve Blank was uh, was one of my professors in uh, in business school. So hearing him firsthand talk about his own entrepreneurial journey and this fundamental concept of focusing on your customers and and you know getting out of the building get out of the building go talk to people meet a customers because everything you do needs to revolve around that and that has been significant in how every day the work we do you know at Kinara every decision making that we do it all comes down to how will this help the customer what does it mean to the customer? Does the customer even want it? And and so that that book, Four Steps to an Epiphany, was uh, was instrumental in shaping what we do today. A sport that you follow, if you're into sport, and your favorite player in that sport would be Adhika. Um Well, the sport that I used to follow, I would say, have been out of touch for a while. Uh, was the was basketball, and I lived in Chicago for a while and had the opportunity to watch. Uh, the Jordan Pippen era, so um, so that was something that was fun to do. Wow! But, but in India, like you said, cricket is a religion, and and now more than ever, I need to watch Chennai Super Kings. <laughs> yep. You know, it's surprising that even people who never followed Jordan in his prime after they've seen the the documentary, The Last Dance, have gone you know, back. <laughs> they have gone back. It's just spectacular. So, yeah. a great point there. Yeah, and your favorite vacation spot, other than Chicago? Uh, it's definitely not Chicago. My goodness, that wind chill, forty, you know, negative is not is not fun. I have to say. Look, I love traveling in general, and I have visited over forty countries. But I have to say, Italy. If you, you know, the one place that is always a delight. It has a charm. It uh, and as a vegetarian. It's it's got a great rich food culture that has no shortage of options as a vegetarian, and so I feel lucky that I've been able to visit many times. And uh, I could uh, I could spend a few months just sauntering around the plazas, eating gelato and every other great piece of pizza or focaccia that's available. 
<laughs> Lovely, uh, fantastic. I shall remember that when I when I'm uh, going down the Amalfi Coast. <laughs> yes. These wonderful, wonderful memories. Ardika, we have to laud you for how Kinara Capital and you have disrupted small business lending in India. Really, thank you very, very much for being with us. Thank you very also, much. And also, how you guys are flag bearers for inclusivity, you know, diversity, and everything else. Uh, in the fintech sector and well done thank you for your time and we really appreciate it thank and you very much for day. having me it was a pleasure well with that it's time to wrap up another episode of season 2 but not before i give you a heads up on something really special that's happening on the women empowerment front since it's international women's day this year to celebrate women from all walks of life we bring to you a virtual awards ceremony on the 25th of march felicitating hashtag she slays champions chosen by an eminent jury a round table of women breaking through stereotypes and clichés and this event will be hosted by radio 1 presenters and the editor of health shots Yes, uh, healthshots.com is a health and wellness destination for the millennial women. And uh, we are excited about our She Slays campaign for Women's Day and also those amazing awards that we are bringing you. Do join us. Thanks for tuning in guys. Make sure you keep listening to some great radio and podcast. Build that habit. And come back next week for another episode of uh, Minding my business. Yes, minding my business. The CEO story shall be back with another captain of the industry who's been a path breaker. Remember, you can catch us on ninety four point three Radio One on FM radio and on HD Smartcast and podcast form over all major streaming platforms. It's a Radio One production. So till next week, it's bye from me, Rishi K. And me, Ramesh Menon. See you soon, and happy Women's Day. This was a Radio One production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.